the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, let's get it on. I'm Mike Boyle, and this is The Restaurant Show. And you know what we're going to do today? We're going to do a special edition of The Restaurant Show. It is 10.06 AM 1460 and FM 101.1, The Answer in Colorado Springs, News Talk 710, KNUS in Denver. We're going to do a holiday show. We've been doing it for 30 years, and for the 30th year, I decided we're going to step it up a little bit. I'm going to introduce you to four incredible, accomplished individuals. One of my guests retired as a captain, a pilot with United Airlines. One of our guests retired as the president of Smith & Wesson Firearms in Springfield, Massachusetts. One of our guests is still one of the most talented, prolific, and accomplished authors in the country. And we're going to introduce you to a young man who, at 19 years old, got his draft notice and went off to serve his country and became, when he got back, an accomplished man in construction and heavy equipment. It's going to be a fun show today. We're going to talk about Christmas. I'm going to give you a little bit of the background. 30 years ago, I was standing in my restaurant, standing at the bar, having a beer, greeting and seating. And I remember that morning I had watched a show, a man and a woman guest host. And the man was talking about the holiday. And isn't it nice, the holiday, we're playing Christmas music and the Christmas trees are up and the lights are on. And this negative Nellie said, well, you know, it's not a happy time for everybody. There's people out there that can't be with the ones they love. They can't afford an airplane ticket. They don't have money for gas. They don't have money to get every single toy for every single kid that they would like. And I said, you know what? I'm going to talk to a buddy of mine named Mike McGrath, John Michael McGrath, Colorado native, Naval Academy grad, shot down over North Vietnam in June of 1967, spent almost six years as a prisoner of war. This is a guy that knows what a bad Christmas is all about because he had six of them. And you know what? The show was so well received. It was so compelling I got such an incredible response from you, the listeners, that I invited him back the next year. And the year after that, and the year after that, and we've been doing this show for 30 years. Yep, this is the 30th anniversary. And I'll bet you this, I'll bet you I know Mike pretty darn well. I've got a feeling I'll probably tell some of the same stories. But when you hear them, You're going to appreciate what we have for Christmas. You're going to appreciate the blessings. Because all four of these men, Mike McGrath, George Colclaw, Nelson DeMille, and Jack Billups, 
they looked into the eye of the tiger and they responded well and there are four men that we all want to know and there are four men that we should all be very very proud to have on the air with us today we're going to take a break and i'm going to bring them in individually on the mike boyle special edition holiday restaurant show All right, 13 minutes after 10 o'clock here. I'm Mike Boyle on a special holiday edition of the restaurant show. And um, I have a feeling that my four guests, probably none of them experienced during their time in the military, chestnuts roasting over an open fire. I've got Mike McGrath in studio with me. John Michael McGrath, Colorado native, Naval Academy grad, shot down off the USS Constellation over North Vietnam in June of 1967. Um, Mike, first of all, thanks for coming in. Thanks for 30 years of doing these shows. 30 years of friendship. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. I will tell you this, folks. He's retained a sense of humor. If you ask Mike how many combat missions he flew off the USS Constellation, he would tell you 178 and a half. <laughs> the last one didn't work out so well. Easy to laugh about now. And now let me introduce you to George Coleclaw, calling in from Wilbraham, Massachusetts. I met George in April of 1968. George Coleclaw and I went through basic combat training and infantry school together. And I would be willing to bet that George never thought that 55 years later he'd be doing a live radio show recounting some of his service experience. George, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thanks, Mike, and you're absolutely right. I, I never in a million years thought from our days in boot camp that we'd be doing a, a radio show. Well, and I'm sure you remember, I'm sure you have fond memories of Staff Sergeant John Broomfield and later Sergeant First Class Nathaniel Mays, who made it a mission every day to just ride our asses and probably you more so than me. You know, it's true. You were you were his favorite. And, you know, my <laughs> teacher's I, pet. I, I saw him. I saw him probably ten years later. I'm talking about uh, Sergeant Mace. I ran into him in the reserves at Fort uh, at Fort Devens, Massachusetts. I was still so afraid of him. I took off out of, out of the mess hall. I didn't want to see him. This was just, I was his captain by then. <laughs> He got to me. <laughs> all, right. all right. And let me introduce Nelson DeMille. Nelson DeMille, one of the most talented, prolific writers, entertaining writers. I've had him on a number of times. I've only met him through the air. I've promised him that if I ever get to Long Island, where he is right now, I'm going to come and join him for a beer. He has assured me if he ever gets to Denver... We're going to get together for a beer. But Nelson DeMille, first cab, platoon leader, 1967, thank you so much for joining me here on the show. Thanks, Mike. Mm -hmm. Pleasure to be here. And finally, Jack Billups. And by the way, Jack, it's not like I'm sliding you. We got a 30-year Navy captain in Mike McGrath. We got a 30-year Army colonel in George Colclaw. We've got an officer, infantry officer in Nelson DeMille. But... 
you know what? We do follow the chain of command, Jack Billups. And since you were an E5, which, by the way, is the same rank I processed out at, um, you're just going to have to be the lone man on the totem pole. But because it's my show, I want you to know that I've got your back. Does that sound all right? Oh, it sounds fine, but I know you saved the best for last. (laughs) Well, I'll let the others be the judge of that. Jack Billups wrote a book called My Vietnam. Matter of fact, Mike McGrath has a book out called Prisoner of War, Six Years in Hanoi. It's been out and still in print for 37 years. Nelson DeMille wrote his first book back in the late 70s. Jack Billups wrote a book called My Vietnam, A Gift to My Daughter, where she asked him to recount his Vietnam experience. He said, I'll write them down. And she said, Dad, I'd like to reconnect with you as an adult daughter. Will you take me to Vietnam? And he did. He wrote a book about it. He's also a man of faith. He has a book out called Christian's Walk. And I'm proud to say that he asked me to do the audio books on both of those. And you can get both of those through Audible. So, Jack, thank you so much for joining me, the sh- uh, joining the show. And, um, Mike, I think what we ought to do is since it is a Christmas show, And I've asked each of these guys to kind of reflect back on maybe a Christmas experience. But before we do that, you know, it's a cold day here in Colorado. And I remember a few years ago, we were doing a show at my house. And I said, what's it like to be in a jail cell in the Hanoi Hilton? And you said, Mike... People don't realize it gets cold in Vietnam. Go out to your garage and take every single thing out of it. Lay a reed mat on the concrete floor, the cold concrete floor, and spend six years of your life. But surely you had books, you had pen and paper. Go ahead, Mike. No, that's right. And I, I, that's we had nothing. You, you didn't have. A, we never had a book, a paper, a pencil, a Bible, a pair of glasses, even a stick to clean your fingernails. You couldn't have. Yeah, so you had nothing. You lived on that rice mat, the one that you put on the beach in Hawaii. So that's what we call a rice mat. It's mm-hmm. just that little. You roll it out on the beach, and the temperatures in the thirties. So you're cold. You got one cotton blanket, and I don't think I told you this. <clears throat> you put a cu- one layer of cotton blanket over you, and you're cold. So what we would do, we would roll up in it like a cocoon, trying to get two layers mm. on your skin instead of one layer. That's mm. how cold it was. So that's uh, and then six years later, you open the door and say, "Hi, honey, I'm home," and uh, she is not very happy. I can imagine. For the first three years he was in captivity, his young wife at home, Marlene, and two young children didn't know if he was dead or alive, listed simply as missing in action. You're listening to a special holiday edition with four remarkable men. I'm going to take you to another one when we come back on the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show. All right, 24 minutes after the hour, I'm Mike Boyle, special edition, holiday edition of the restaurant show in studio with Mike McGrath from Wilbraham, Massachusetts, George Colclaw, 
From Long Island, New York, Nelson DeMille, and from Lake Havasu City, Jack Billups, four Vietnam combat veterans. And I asked them to come on for this 30th anniversary of my holiday show and just share a little bit of their backgrounds and share a little bit of their stories. Because when you hear these stories, it will make you thank the good Lord every day that you live in the United States of America. Nelson DeMille, it's 1965-66. Maybe you're floundering a little bit in college. Um, You decide to go in the Army. Take the listeners through that. Yeah, but, uh, you know, um, floundering is a good word. (laughs) I was bored and not doing well. uh, So I got bored and um, I think it was January 66. I Went down to my local draft board. I just turned myself in. I said, I'm here. They were, they were thrilled, you know, three, three years of college behind me. And, um, you know, they, 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 they promised the world. They always do. The Army promises the world. <laughs> and they were going to make me an intelligence officer. I was going to be gonna be a James Bond kind of guy, I guess. Uh, none of that happened. I went to, you know, after the regular basic training and uh, basic combat training and then advanced infantry training. And then I went to infantry officer candidate school, and uh, so anyway, in um, uh, Christmas 1967, I found myself in Vietnam, and I, I can't I can't top uh, my story. Uh, that's an incredible story, and so uh, well, you know. But I was feeling sorry for myself. I'm sure, you know. It's also you say, what, what the hell did I do? What was I thinking? I mean. I was in college, and now I'm in Vietnam. Like, what the hell was I thinking? <laughs> and uh, but I was a big leader, you know. I had to, you know, I had the guys. I had to take care of them, and that was my first concern. And you know, the army has a great tradition. They will bring you a holiday meal, theoretically, no matter where you are. And we were waiting for the holiday. We also had a truce, a 24-hour truce, that we hoped would hold, because it didn't always. Um, and uh, sure enough, the helicopter came around three o'clock. And Santa Claus stepped out of the helicopter with a 45 strap to his waist. And then he mermaid hands, which were turkey and all the trimming and all that. So, you know, we had our Christmas meal. And um, it was, it was you know, it was bittersweet. In some ways, we, you know, yeah, we all felt sorry for ourselves, but we all realized why we were there. And then when the sun went down, it, gets, you know, it was like everybody's kind of um, nostalgic for home. And some people told stories of home, and then somebody started singing Christmas carols, and a few people joined in. Um, I wish I had a great story to, you know, to, you know, to emphasize all of this, but it was just a, uh, it's a mixed feeling, you know. We had 160 men, 170 men out in the field, and uh, everybody had, a, everybody was coming from a different place, and I think ultimately it was, it was memorable. It was memorable. I still remember to this day. But what I remember most is like when I'm. But I'm complaining about Christmas because there's like too much going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, Christmas 1967. Oh, God bless you. Uh, um, yeah. So um, it it, think, it, put, you know, it puts things in perspective, doesn't it, Nelson? I was, I was just going to say that it really does put things in perspective. And um, you know, I tell my kids I have a. I have two adult children, 44 and 45, and uh, I also have a 17-year-old. Don't ask uh, what was I thinking there. <laughs> um, 
And, you know, you try to you try to pass some of those lines around about perspective and about <coughs> the privileged life that they lead. And, you know, it wasn't always it wasn't always all, you know, roses and sunshine. So, you know, I, I, I look, made me a man. I was a college kid. I was a privileged college kid. And uh, the Army was the best thing that ever happened to me. Well, it sounds it's, it's, well. It sounds to me like you were with the first Cav, and it sounds to me like Christmas, nineteen sixty-seven, was just kind of a bowl of cherries. You know, I, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this book from uh, one of Joel, George Colclaw's, um, uh, one of the members of his platoon, a guy named Ed Mann. He said Christmas, nineteen sixty-nine, in the jungle off LZ Lee. He says, I felt like I spent half my life in Vietnam, but it had just been six months, and now it's Christmas oh. Day. Nothing changed. There was yeah. no goodwill from man fellowship, no baby in the manger, no good cheer, just our everyday filth, heat, and never-relenting southern po- possibility of sudden death. So, George Colclaw, so what happened to the helicopter and Santa Claus? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I have... Uh, uh, very few memories of Christmas of 69 because as I thought about it, were you asking me a question, Mike? I didn't mean to step on. No, the, no, no, that's it. No, no, it. this is very free flow. Uh, so, so, well, okay. what did, so if Santa Claus, what did you guys do on Christmas Day 1969? Just kind of lounge around the LZ? What did you do? We did, we did, uh, we did uh, absolutely nothing in terms of uh, the Christmas spirit other than to feel perhaps somewhat despondent uh, from time to time. But we, we literally, we literally humped, uh, all, humped day. all day. Yeah. We, we did nothing. No, thanks, Jack. But we uh, we didn't stop uh, once, and that was our usual day. It wasn't anything unusual about it, but we were all, uh, I think, sort of thinking, well, maybe we're going to get a Christmas dinner uh, like, fortunately, Nelson was lucky to have. And it, it never happened, and, and we were never told it was going to happen. Well, you guys you guys, got spoiled because of Thanksgiving, you know, the big perimeter, the turkey comes in, mm-hmm. right? I know. We we were, uh, and, and Jack, you can certainly add, add to this, but I, I'd only been there a couple of weeks, and uh, we got the word at 11 o'clock in the morning uh, that the commander wanted to set up the an NDP, which is a night defensive perimeter, and I was dumbfounded. We, ne- we never quit at 11 in the morning, and I happened to ask one of my sergeants, uh, my, my platoon sergeant, Sergeant Ryder, and I said, when he came back from setting up and linking up with the other platoons, I said, why are we stopping? He said, LT, today is Thanksgiving. <laughs> I looked at him. My first thoughts were, well, so what? I mean, the pilgrims we had around us weren't that friendly. They don't want to come and have dinner with us. And I, I was also, I have, to, I have to tell you, not being a negative person, but at the time, I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be this is going to be awful. It's going to be some, you know, makeshift dinner that they carved out of, you know, process or something. And it would be. And the dinner showed up just like Nelson had did with you and Mermite cans. And they actually sent people out to service. And and absolutely nobody ever wanted to come out to see us. But they, they and uh, the dinner the dinner was the dinner was over the top. I mean, I I just I won't. Drone on and on about it, but it was unbelievable. Everything was fresh, everything real potatoes, real turkey, and unlike Jack, who claims it never happened, but uh, I talked to my 
platoon sergeant, Dennis Rydgren, and we both got cranberry sauce, Jack. So I don't know where you were. You keep saying you didn't get it, but but it was there. And, and, and we, had, we had one other thing happen that day. <clears throat> Mike, unless I'm taking up too much time, cut go, me off. Go ahead. I do. Uh, uh, is I got, a, I got a letter. I was drafted in 68. I was in law school. I got drafted out of law school. And the draft board chairman, her name was Ethel, called my mother and said they were going to send me a draft notice. So here, and, and then a year later, um, uh, Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving Day in Vietnam, uh, somewhere near uh, in, in the triple canopy jungle, we're having this beautiful dinner. And I got a letter from my mother, and she said, oh, I forgot to tell you that Ethel called, and she said we have to find out where Buzzy is. Uh, because the state police are looking for him. And my poor mother, you know, she said, oh, dear, oh, dear, what what did he do? What did he do? And she said, well, we sent him a draft notice a year ago. And, uh, you know, we give the boys six months to a year to get their affairs in order, and he hasn't reported. So do you know where he is? Because the police have to pick him up by law, and they take him before a federal magistrate and then get to put on his case. They decide things. And so she said, can you tell me where he is so they can pick him up? And the brother said, oh, I know where he is, Ethel, um, but I don't think they're going to want to go get him. He, he's in a place called Budot and with his platoon in the 1st Cavalry Division. I don't think they're going to want to pick him up over there. <laughs> Poor Ethel. She didn't know what to say. Somehow or other, that draft board in Hudson was never notified that I was... I had been inducted in Buffalo, New York. So. You're listening to a anyway. special holiday edition of the Mike Boyle Restaurant Show with Mike McGrath, Naval Aviator, George Coclaw, retired lieutenant, uh, retired Colonel Infantry, Nelson DeMille, author, and Jack Billups, also from the 1st Infantry Division. And folks, for those of you that haven't had the pleasure of getting one, it comes in a brown envelope with a window. The return address is Selective Service System, and it has your name, Mike Boyle, 13022 Chaplet Place, Tustin, California. You open it up, and it says, Michael, you are hereby ordered to report for induction into the Armed Forces of the United States. I have mine right in front of me. I'm looking at it. You will report at 0700, November 7th, 1967, and it gives the address of the Armed Forces Induction Center in downtown Los Angeles on Broadway. We're talking with Mike, George, Nelson, Jack. I'm Mike Boyle. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have Mike McGrath recount Christmas 1967. Shot down in June of 67. We'll be right back. All right, 38 minutes after the hour, a special edition of the Restaurant Show, the holiday edition. I am blessed to have Jack Billups, Nelson DeMille, George Colclaw and Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath has been on with me for the previous 29 years. And I said, you know what? We're going to ramp it up a little bit this year, Mike. We're talking about Christmas in Vietnam, Christmas in the United States military. Because, folks, you know what? We've got people serving all over the world right now. So, Mike, you get shot down over North Vietnam in 1967. Let's go to the Christmas of 67. We'll go back and talk about how you were treated when you were shot down, the torture, your book, all of that type of stuff. But do you remember the Christmas 67? It's uh, clear as a bell. And my first Christmas in that condition. <laughs> and the uh, Well, and by the way, maybe we should interject. 
tell the people your physical condition from bailing out, being captured, being transported, and so forth? Well, just I'll keep it short. Yeah, I had a violent ejection uh, out of the same airplane as John McCain. So I had the same injuries he did. I had a broken, dislocated arm. I had a broken back and a, and a dislocated knee. <clears throat> so I was in pretty bad shape. Broken and, uh, back. <laughs> then I, but I was just before Christmas, I was moved in with three other guys. Uh, Conrad Troutman, he had a bleeding room in his leg. He was shot while coming down with a parachute, so he had a bleeding leg. Uh, Jay Hess was captured by the Chinese when they marched him down to the, uh, turned him over to the Vietnamese out of the hills. Uh, one of the uh, one of the guards shot him in the back of the head with a pistol. And luckily, he was a hard-headed Mormon. So so that bullet bounced off his ear behind his skull and, and didn't penetrate the skull, but it opened up a uh, wound. I could see his scalp. Mm-hmm. So his, he had an open bleeding wound, and uh, I was in bad shape, and another roommate had been tortured so bad he couldn't move his arms. So here we are. They called us in for an interrogation uh, on Christmas Eve. Well, it was cold, and uh, and my roommate, uh, Conrad Chapman, age 41, He'd been in World War II. He'd, he had shot, he'd been at 100 missions in Korea, and he was shot down in a 105. So he was the oldest guy. The rest of us were 25, 26, 27. But the three of us were called into quiz, or the four of us. And they gave us, they were trying to be nice, because it's Christmas Eve, we, and they wanted to know more about Christmas. They tried to get us to talk, and we wouldn't talk. But they did give us two pieces of candy and little wrappers and sent us back to our room. Well, Jerry Gurnt and I, we saved our four pieces, two apiece, and the other guys ate theirs. And in the middle of the night, Jerry and I got up. We took one rubber sandal each. We put it in front of a pot. We turned a little wisp broom upside down, stuck it in the pot, and put our wrappers on the wisp broom like a Christmas tree. And on the toe of each of the four slippers, we put a piece of candy. In the morning, we got up. Conrad Troutman was on a cold floor. He had one slipper and one was gone. He was, uh, we were making a head count. The, the, they opened the doors and made a head count. There four of us. They shut the door and he's looking around and he looked over at the little tree and there was his slipper with a piece of candy on the toe. Have you ever seen a 41-year-old man who has got a bleeding open wound have a tear in his eye? Conrad had actual tears in his eyes because in his mind there was no Christmas. It was gone. We were in prison. We had nothing. And he looks over and he's got a Christmas present on the toe of his shoes. Now, to me, that's, you know, that's the most valuable part of Christmas. I was able to give and didn't expect anything in return. But, Mike, I don't think I told you what the present they got for me, the guys in the room. They made a Christmas present for me. (laughs) They took a piece of paper. They wrapped up some mouse. Uh, you have told mouse, this. Yes, you know, go ahead. Mouse, you know, the mouse droppings in this piece of toilet paper. And I opened up this piece of toilet paper, and there's these mouse droppings. And I said, what's this? And they said, well, Mike, we noticed that you're losing hair. That's hair fertilizer. <laughs> so so for Christmas, I got hair fertilizer in 1967, and my roommate got a piece of candy. All right, folks, if that doesn't make you appreciate what you have, if it doesn't make you appreciate your circumstances, Jack Billups, 
19 years old, you get your draft notice. You go off to Fort Ord for your basic combat training, your infantry training, and you get sent to the 1st Cav in Vietnam, and you are assigned to the 3rd Platoon Bravo Company, 1st of the 12th, 1st Air Cav, under Lieutenant George Colclaw. And um, you were the gunner. You were the guy that was assigned the M60. You're a good-sized guy, so we're going to give him the heavy equipment. How important, when you were in the bush, when you were in absolute miserable, miserable conditions, how important was it to have, like Mike McGrath talks about his cellmates giving him hair fertilizer, how important was it to have some humor even while you were in the bush? Well, we joked around a lot to, you know, get out of the tension of our situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, we uh, we enjoyed Christmas. We didn't have any dinner. But, well, uh, well, it sounds to me like you got set up for the fall. Thanksgiving, they fly you in a helicopter and they set up a, a uh, you got a big parameter, uh, perimeter and they, they serve you a turkey with all the fixings. So you got to be thinking, man, if that's what they do for Thanksgiving, what are they going to do for Christmas? And they said, we're not going to do anything. We're just going to hump you all day. Well, yeah, going back to Thanksgiving, uh, that was a wonderful dinner, and LT explained it great. I think he got the uh, holidays mixed up. But yeah, we got a dinner on Thanksgiving, and, uh, yeah, we found a, a landing zone, and uh, the, the choppers came in and unloaded these green canisters and lined them all up. And uh, so we all got in line and started, sh- you know, shift shuffling back and forth on our feet, you know, trying mm-hmm. to get from one to the next to the next. And it was a great meal. Uh, they had eggnog, though, and I think it was powdered. It was, that wasn't very good. <laughs> and, 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 <laughs> so we, and, and did, did, did George Colclaw, did LT and the platoon sergeant, did they get all the cranberry sauce and you grunts didn't get any cranberry sauce? Is that uh, yeah, they they were over there in the corner by a tree, <laughs> all hunched over, eating cranberries. We didn't find out until it was all gone. Jack, Jack, tell tell the listeners a little bit about your book, My Vietnam, A Gift to My Daughter. Folks, I'll tell you how I got involved. I got a call from George Colclaw because we've retained contact over the years. And he said, hey, a guy that was in my platoon wrote a book. And... Is there any chance that you would interview him on the air? And I, I said, well, yeah, George, I'll do it it's, uh, unless it's a self-help book. I'm past that. I don't do self-help stuff anymore. And so uh, he said, no, it's called My Vietnam, A Gift to My Daughter. Take the listeners through that, if you would, Jack. Well, before I do, I just want to tell you that <laughs> LT, George Colclaw, is a m- magnificent leader. He was uh, a of course, I was out in the field for a while when he came in, so he was new. But uh, he was a wise and humble man. I'm sure he's getting a little upset right now for me saying this, but uh, he, he, he was just such a great leader. And uh, we still call him LT, even though he retired as a colonel. And uh, just a wonderful man. And I got to say, for, for listeners uh, that may not be familiar, for listeners that may not be familiar. LT is the abbreviation, of course, for lieutenant. When you come out of officer candidate school, you're a second lieutenant. Then you become a first lieutenant. Then you go on to captain. But you will forever be known to your men in your unit as LT. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, it's a term of endearment. And we just came back from a reunion in Chicago. And uh, 
It was a mixture of uh, fun, but uh, there was some sadness there because we'd lost three men since the last reunion, and uh, we're all getting old. But going back to the uh, book, yeah, I think it was about five years ago, my daughter uh, called me up, and she knows I'm concerned about getting her a birthday gift every year, but I don't know how to do it. I'm, I'm not a good gift. <laughs> You're buyer. a guy. Don't, for, don't, don't apologize. I'm a guy. <laughs> yeah. just, just send her some money or give her a gift certificate. But uh, she, she got in front of this and called me up and said, hey, Dad, instead of buying me a gift, could you tell me stories, you know, your experiences about what happened in your tour in Vietnam? I thought about it a little bit. I said, you know what? <laughs> That's a little bit too much to just do it one-on-one live. So I told her I'd, I'd write it down. And once I got into it, man, it just obsessed me. And every spare moment I was sitting there putting pieces of my memories together and calling people up, trying to confirm my memories. And uh, When I finished, I sent it over to her via email and she read it within a couple of weeks. She read it twice. And she called me back and said, Dad, you know what? That's the best gift you have ever given me. And uh, But she didn't stop there. And she said, Dad, why don't you and me go back to Vietnam? <laughs> and that one, that, that put me on pause, too, for a while. So I, I, I called her back the next day after I thought about it because it, it, it was something I had to work through. And I said, you know what? I can do this. So her and I went back to Vietnam for 10 days, and uh, it was actually a very wonderful trip. It, it helped my daughter and I reunite. But uh, the experiences over there uh, was so much different than the first time I went. It was, it was good. I It was healthy, too. I can imagine. And, folks, it does very well. You can get a copy of the book on Amazon, or you can get the audio book, which I voiced. I was proud to voice an introduction by Colonel George Colclaw, um, and then the book. And I think, and, and it's not your, it's not a war story. It's the story of a young man who went off to serve, did his duty proudly, and then helped him reconnect with his daughter as he recounted that experience. So anyway, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And I think what we ought to do is I think we ought to talk a little bit about Mike McGrath's book. I think we ought to talk about Nelson DeMille. Nelson DeMille wrote a nice novel called Up Country. We're going to talk about that when we come back on the Mike Boyle special edition of the Restaurant Show. All right, 53 minutes after the hour. Happy to have you aboard the restaurant show. I'm your host, Mike Boyle. Special holiday edition with special, special guests. Mike McGrath, naval aviator, prisoner of war, wrote a book, Six Years in Hanoi. He's also, uh, I beg your pardon, prisoner of war, six years in Hanoi. And um, Jack Billups, my Vietnam, a gift to my daughter. I've got Nelson DeMille. He uh, wrote a book called Up Country. And Nelson, why don't you take the listeners? That was your first book, wasn't it? Was it kind of a catharsis? Why did you write a book about the Vietnam experience, a novel? Well, you know, I I did write one earlier called Word of Honor. Um but I just didn't want to address. You know, the first book I proposed to my first publisher, they said, no, we're not interested in Vietnam. This is well back, way back in the 
gosh, it was like the early 70s. Vietnam was not a good topic. Um, and then uh, some movies came out, which kind of opened it up a little bit. Anyway, uh, long story short, in 97, I decided to go back to Vietnam. I asked two buddies to go with me, guys that served. And they, they'd been there, Chris Lally, the same year. I was there. So in 97, and we picked the time that would get us there for the Ted Hubble race. So this was January 1997. It was 29, no, it was actually, yeah, 29 years after the Ted Offensive. And you had been and, there for uh, the Ted Offensive. I had been there for that first holiday. The <laughs> <laughs> first holiday. It wasn't much of a holiday. That was supposed to be a truce, too, by the way. You know that. Yeah. That was supposed to be a truce, and they, they violated the truce and, and attacked. So we thought, you know, let's, let's try it again. Yeah. Um, and I went, I was supposed to do an article, which I did uh, for a travel magazine. Uh, but while I was there, I said, you know, there's a story here uh, about uh, veterans going back uh, to Vietnam after 30 years. So that, that, that was the genesis of... Um, uh, up country, and the book did very well. It was uh, well, really well received. And so many veterans wrote me, which is so satisfying. Say, my God, you know, you brought back memories. The book is set in '97, but it flashes back to '67 or '68, and I think it, you know, wake, woke up a lot of a lot of good and bad memories with a lot of people. Nelson, you've told the story to me. Uh, we've talked a little bit about Mike McGrath and how humor kept them going a little bit. Uh, yeah. Jack Phillips just recounted. Um, why don't you share with the listeners and our other guests the story of um, the Tet Offensive in 1968 and uh, and how humor helped get one of your uh, the members of your platoon through. Go ahead and tell that story, if you would. Well, you know... G.I. humor is notorious, as you know. I mean, if you can't laugh at it, you're going to cry. You know? <laughs> so, you know, you gotta, you got to put the best spin on it, and humor is great. And I remember, you know, it was during the time, yeah, we were getting shot at, really getting heavy fire. We were turning fire, and one of the guys yells out, is this for real or is this a training exercise? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, of all the things to say, you're like a second from death. Yeah. And, uh, but it's kind of... It was good. It was a good morale booster. He was a good morale booster, and you know, we all we all put on top each other, so to speak. You know, I still I still platoon. Oliver Stone was in Vietnam, but he served. Uh, it was a good movie, but what, what was missing? I had I had, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting him briefly at UCLA, and uh, I told him I loved the you know his movie. I said, but I said to him, but you know. You kind of forgot the GI humor. So it was like unrelentingly grim. Um, you know. Well, it was a grim war. I said, but surely you remember the GI humor. And he kind of shrugged and said, yeah. So, you know, I mean, most most of Hollywood, anybody tries to, anybody hasn't been there, hasn't been in the Army in general, doesn't understand GI humor, which is kind of a dark humor. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Nelson, we got to take a break. George, Jack, Mike, we've got to take a break for news. Folks, we're not going to take your calls today. We've got a busy, busy show. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about. Hopefully you're enjoying it as much as I am, as much as I'm sure my guests are. If you would like to, instead of calling today, you can go to the KNUS app and send a text message. And uh, we'll get some of those on 
on the air. You can also contact me. You can text message me, those of you that have my number, or you can go to my website, mikeboyle.com, to the contact information and send an email. But uh, we're going to go ahead and take a break. Five minutes of news. And I can't thank Mike McGrath, George Colclaw, Nelson DeMille, and Jack Billups. Enough. You know what? You talk about dark humor, Nelson DeMille. We're living in some dark times right now, and uh, we need a little bit of uplifting show like these guys are providing. So anyway, we got an hour in the books. We're going to do some news, and then we'll be back with another hour of Jack, Nelson, George, and Mike, and me, Mike Boyle, on a special edition, holiday edition of The Restaurant Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 